pandemic got us into a reflective space and made us look inward to see what we can do for the world at large. As a self-expression coach, I became a catalyst for women and started Vani, a one-on-one -on -one coaching program for women on finding their voice, to speak up, to be visible. As a storyteller, I spotted there were many ordinary people amongst us leading extraordinary lives, making a difference to the world, and they needed to be heard. Thus was born You and I with Rashmi Shetty, where amazing personal journeys with their uniqueness and individuality are showcased. A reaffirmation of the fact, open your eyes wider, the world is far more beautiful when we acknowledge the presence of both you and I. It was Earth Hour last Saturday, the 25th of March, and on the podcast today, we have one of the most nature-friendly and successful entrepreneurs in Bengaluru for a conversation. Sustainability is his middle name. His ability to successfully manage a juice business with no pile-up for the landfills has become his trademark. He does not serve the natural juices in paper or plastic cups with straws. In fact, he has no single-use plastic in his juice center or even distributes tissue papers. Eatraja has proved it is possible to be zero-waste, sustainable and still be successful in business. Career-wise, he has an interesting mix. An engineer who went on to become a popular radio jockey and then moved on to become an inspirational entrepreneur. A very interesting example of listening to the voice in me. Our impact on nature should be minimal is his motto, something he learned from his college club. His zero waste policy makes him serve his innovative juices in fruit shells. From watermelons to banana peels, his cutlery is natural. A trend that initially found criticism today is what makes Eat Raja exclusive and appreciated for his nature-friendly serving style. He stayed put with this idea and today not only has franchisees locally but is busy looking at inquiries globally too. Innovation is hallmark. Engineering the fruit shells is trademark and he's trending on social media. Listen in as Raja shares his journey from a brat of an all-rounder in school to life lessons he learned in college to running a business successfully and meaningfully. Our Zero Hero believes that sports made him who he is. You win some, you lose some is his attitude to be successful. He says, after completing 1,800 plus days in his business, his mission is successful and he's going strong every day. This interview has taken a year, Raja. So I think <laughs> a lot of coincidences in play, the universe has put us together for this conversation. So welcome to you and I with Rashmi Shet. Thank you so much, Rashmi. I feel a privilege, honored uh, to be on the show with you. Uh, you and I, you and I with yes. Rashmi. <laughs> yes, and you and I also stands for the uniqueness and individuality each of us carries. 
Oh, wow. And uh, the whole purpose of this conversation is to explore your uniqueness and your individuality, where they came from. And a lot of it begins in child. So yes. today you have a huge Instagram following and you are well known in Bangalore as yes. the juice person, popularly called as Eat Raja. And uh, when it comes to youngsters, they love the way you serve the juices. Yeah, definitely. Yes. And do the Eat Raja that you have become, I want to know what little Raja is like. Was uh, all this about nature, sustainability, part of your lifestyle right from the time you're little? And how did the journey progress from little Raja to the Eat Raja slash travel Raja that you're famous as? <laughs> Well, the little Raja was just like any other Indian Raja who's a brat, who's troublesome, who's always playing pranks like any other average kid would do in India. So I was pretty much the same. Uh, I really did not know what sustainability was or what was being eco-friendly back then when I was a child. Because at that time, none, none of us were really bothered. Or maybe situations weren't that grave as it is now. So now I feel there's an increased... Uh, consciousness about what's happening around us. Back then, maybe you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, it wasn't really that concerned. I mean, Bangalore was still green, less pollution. We, we we didn't have mobile phones. So we were playing around with chit-chatting with friends and with grandmas, grannies and all of that. So that was, that was how a typical childhood of uh, any 80s and 90s person would be from uh, Bangalore. So uh, mine was also pretty much the same. I used to go every Sunday. We used to go swimming. We used to play cricket. We used to climb up mango trees, pluck mangoes. Oh, summers used to be so much fun. We all used to be out. Like we used to live in a compound, like uh, which has about uh, 15 to 20 houses. So we all used to get together in the night, chit chat, and we used to play in the night, uh, especially when there were uh, new moon days. And um, we really loved. So much of bonding was there, maybe because none of us had mobile phones to, back then. So we had a lot of time to spend with each other. And that's how my childhood was also. But the sustainability part of it or anything that's got to do with eco-friendliness came to me the day I joined my college, BMS College of Engineering. And I credit all what I, whatever I'm doing today to my college and my college seniors who got me introduced to uh, zero waste minimalist lifestyle. Oh, wow. Okay, so before you got into engineering, so how are you as a student? You said you were a brat, but you said you also did engineering. So were you a yeah. very good student? School? I was a very good student. In fact, uh, in my school days, uh, I'll tell you what the irony is later. Okay, in, in my school, uh, I was a topper. I was also good at sports. So I, I was also the class monitor. I was the house captain, so I was like, you know, name it, I'm always there. And I, I was always the kind of a person who was the A-lister there. So I had a great schooling, uh, although it was a very small school. Uh, I had great schooling. I was the captain of Kabaddi. I was the captain of Coco. I was also uh, the captain of a house. I was a topper. Uh, only mathematics I used to always. Such a special student is teacher's pet for sure. Were you friends yeah. jealous yeah. of you? Uh, not really. Actually, I was quite popular in my school days also. So I wouldn't say fan following, but there were a lot of people who used to like me a lot. Because uh, my parents actually, 
never really went to school so but they made sure that i go to school and i pick up all the right habits so i'm so happy that my you know parents got me schooled at a it was a very average school but they ingrained as right values is what i feel right. so it is a very poor people's school i still remember my uh, we we still were not able to pay fees although the fees were really less in schools and schools were very accommodative back then and uh, it was very very sweet very nice I mean, we never felt like it was a school meant for business it was a school meant to impart values i still meet my teachers and i um, i'm so happy you know we have had some of the best teachers who taught us in the school too and i <laughs> i was a brat i was good at studies also so basically i was an all rounder in my school but everything changed when i joined engineering you will not believe the same guy who was a topper in school actually double dropped as in i lost two years continuously in engineering and then i also made a very failed attempt to copy from somebody else's paper during my engineering and then i got debarred for three semesters all those things have happened in my life all ups and downs <laughs> and what changed raja from uh, school to college uh nothing much so the fact that you know i had joined engineering and uh, it was one of the best colleges yeah. in india yeah. i was very excited and uh, i had taken a branch which was not the same branch that i wanted so i was not half interested so i was doing mechanical engineering and then the last semester that is the last few days before we move on to the next year is when i got a branch change and i got into medical electronics medical electronics and uh, mechanical were like north pole and south pole so they had no connection so i could not prepare for the exams well and i had to flunk and uh, after that again one more year i continuously failed because i couldn't clear the subjects uh, so that was a sad part but i got to spend a lot of time in college uh, so i'm happy yeah, i had an extended college life <laughs> i love the way positively you're looking at it now but at that point from being a topper in school to being somebody who failed uh what was your state of mind you know interestingly i never uh, see I, i i knew that i wasn't a bad student it was just that i could not get a branch in the right time i couldn't study well so what happened was interestingly although i flunked i still used to go to college it's very very interesting to know because i felt i am coming to college to gain knowledge not for attendance or not for anything else so i used to tell my teacher and none of them really stopped me although uh i i had flunked and i had a year back i used to go attend all the classes because i said i really want to study i mean i want to understand these subjects anyway it's just a matter of another 6 months and i'll be back in college so if i come and attend the classes now i would be better prepared is what i had told them i still remember that after a while i kind of uh, started feeling uh, out of the place because uh, uh, everybody's name was being called and my name was not there on the rolls yeah. and uh, it used to make me kind of uh, uncomfortable and many new teachers were joined they were wondering as to who is this guy whose name is not there on the roll and he's yet attending the classes and then when i explained to them that you know i'm actually a year back student and i don't want to get spoiled or i don't want to uh, distract so i i thought i'll attend the classes because i really love studying uh, nobody really said no you shouldn't sit in since you're not paid fees nothing of that sort so it's like okay i said uh, that's all but uh, somewhere after some time i pulled myself out of the classes too uh, because it was I mean there were many times that they had field trips 
and they said okay you you guys okay you form a team you form a team and you guys go there and then i was like okay where do i belong now <laughs> because i'm not part of this class yeah so those kind of things made me feel a little bad uh, but then i went back and then i studied again and somehow i managed to clear my engineering ah but i still keep going to college in fact next week again i'm going to college so every now and then like i'm i'm like i've never really felt that i've graduated out of college i'm still friends with all the present batch students uh of course all my hods my principals everybody is still friendly with me they're very happy they're very happy to see me uh <laughs> being one of the worst students to uh, doing something great in the radio and then switching career from radio career to something totally never expected that is zero waste yeah yeah i go, i go back to take classes also now in my own uh-huh. college <laughs> this is this is such a beautiful space here in raja you meet a lot of college students yeah. you, uh, most of i saw most of your reels and all of them are with the youngsters but today because of social validation the social media students go to the extent of committing suicide in the out of the fear of failure and many of them who actually uh, succumb to suicide pass they get good grades so such a moment where failure is such a delicate uh, part of growing up in student life what would you like to tell the students who are attempting uh, courses like engineering which is tough after school engineering would be a tough course or medicine or any course for that matter would be tough enough for an average or above average student so they just need to work a little harder and failure is not the end of life so yeah. what would you want to tell them at this point of time look at me that's exactly what i would like to tell them i was once a topper then i flunked engineering huh? two years continuously mm-hmm. then i tried copying because i you know i felt that oh i am a topper i can't you know fail so i managed to copy and then i got caught i got debarred then i learned a lesson very important lesson in my life and then again i sat studied and i came back again to college so um, you, you need to get back that pride the respect that you already had right all that was also there and today when i look back i say i've had a very uh, jeopardized kind of uh, education but then uh, what we learn out of our bad experiences will really so when it comes to suicide even i had planned to commit suicide after my second few because i thought i had done actually pretty well reasonably well at least uh, but then i somehow thought okay if i flung then i am going to commit suicide because there were a lot of expectations from my parents or anybody else because my parents uh, come from a very humble background so they had a point to prove to all their relatives my father side's relatives and mother side's relatives that although we don't have money although we don't have a lot of uh, uh, property and stuff like that we will make sure that our kids are educated well and i was thinking what if i flunk in my second pc how will i show my face and i had also thought okay i'm going to commit suicide but none of those things happened because the way how i was trained it's important that most kids learn at very young age to fail if they don't fail and then succeed they'll never be able to tell themselves that yes one day i failed one day i will succeed and that comes only from sports is what i strongly believe because in sports like we all know india plays pakistan india plays england not every match do we win we win some we lose some these are all golden codes given by so many people we just need to strictly believe in them so today is a bad day tomorrow is an excellent day day after tomorrow we don't know we're going to see that day or not so all those kids like today i saw the uh, 10th standard exam started 
I think uh, second few exams just got over. So there, some of the boys who were working in my shop were also from PUC. So they just finished their exams and they came back to work. So I was telling them, big deal, even if you don't clear, it's okay. The exams are never the best judge of who you are, what you are. If you don't clear, okay, try something else. So nowadays, I think uh, parents maybe should be more friends with uh, kids to tell them it's okay when if you fail. If you don't like it, if you don't want to clear it, it's okay. Try doing something else. That's how I think parents should be. Unnecessary pressure like, oh, I have to make my son an engineer, a doctor. These are all tougher subjects and not very easy to study. And there's definitely no point in pushing them to study something that they wanted. I think they should allow their kids, uh, anybody for that matter, you know, it's their right to study what they want to study. If they want to study gemology, they want to try study mixology, if they want to do, you know, baking course or make juice course, they should be allowed to do what they love doing. So that would be like a big boon for all the students because they are unnecessarily going through a lot of tension that, oh, I have to prove this to myself or to my father, to my mother. I feel it's all not necessary. Today, uh, it's a much, much more educated world that we are living in. Back then, maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, there was a lot of pressure on all the students to study, study. And we had lesser distractions at the time. So the only thing is either you play outside or you come and study. Today, the kids have so many challenges. They have PUBG, they have Instagram, Facebook, notifications coming every other second. So difficult to study. Even if they manage to just get some time to attend classes, that in itself is a big thing. So forget forget all those things of, you know, they should talk. They should be able to succeed. Of course, engineering, medicine are great fields. Uh, people should try for it. But if you don't make it, no big deal. My world doesn't come to an end. True, very true. And so from this engineering uh, stream that you were in, how did RJ happen? Well, uh, thanks to again my school or uh, all the different uh, competitions that I used to take part as a child. So I was an all-rounder in the school. So I also used to take part in Rangoli competition, but I never won. <laughs> I used to take part in every competition. So I was an all-rounder. And I was quite a, quite a guy to watch out for when we had a debate or a speech. So it comes right from my school days uh, that I was inculcated into speaking or I always, I mean, I never uh, I never think twice that I have to say my, my speak my mind. So uh, I, I was very, 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 you know, bold enough to say anything that I felt like if it was wrong or if it was right, I would just open up and say it loud and clear. So that way, uh, somewhere I think the talking abilities, speaking to people, conversation, empathetic uh, understanding and talking to people, all of these things, uh, I was groomed uh, in my school and college days. And uh, there was a call in the Times of India newspaper for people who can speak really well, blah, 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 like all the radio jockey uh, qualities. And I said, okay, I think I have it all. And uh, at the end of the ad, it said, do you have it in you? Mm -hmm. I looked back and I said, like, my friends were there, like, do I have it in me? I don't know. Let's go give it a try. So I went and gave a try. I didn't know that I would get selected. Uh, then the next day, I got selected. And things really changed after that. And there was no looking back. Every other day was such a happening day. Because in media, no day is a dull day. So there's yes. something or the other to always be done. It's a very happening scenario. So 
Oh. Honestly, I would say that I, I although I worked in radio for 13 years, for 13 years I actually enjoyed like second innings in a college. Mm-hmm. That to a paid holiday. What more do you want? To have all the fun in radio. I was getting paid. I was becoming popular. It was like it was such a fairy tale. And did you have uh, which channel were you in, and which, what did you have a different name for radio? So I started my career, radio career, with Radio Mirchi, uh, Radio Mirchi Canada. Then it became uh, 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 now, of course, Hindi is also there. Uh, so I worked in Radio Mirchi Canada first, and uh, after four years of working as a radio jockey in Canada, then Red FM Hindi started in Bangalore. Yeah, yeah. So I immediately switched to Red FM Hindi. And then after that, I went on to work with another international radio station, Num Radio. So 13 years I spent in radio. Such a rewarding experience. Such, I mean, if anybody would still like to take a job in radio, they must. It's such a, a lovely profession is what I feel. Yeah. Because you have this power to you know, change people's mood you know, some people, when they're depressed, they listen to radio. And if they get a chance to speak to the radio jockey, their life is done. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, as uh, when I used to be on the mic, I used to think, okay, today I'm going to change at least about 10 people's life. And we always are loaded with some goodies to be given to our listeners. Mm-hmm. So the moment you give them, even if it's a meal voucher, they're so happy. So I realize that we, as radio jockeys, have the power to change somebody's mind. We influence them right there by playing a song, talking to them, making them feel happy, making them feel special. So it's a it's a huge task, and uh, we are empowered to do that, and that's the beauty of radio. Yeah, true, true. Because ten years I was in RJ with FM Rainbow, and so you know it well. You oh know it yes, well. oh yes, really well. And every word you said is so true. Because more than the listener, I think we get so much joy. Yeah, I used to every day look for, okay, I'm going to do this on the show. I have to speak about this. So it, it was all about your own persona, right? And I was yeah. I was known as Beat Raja then. And oh, I, okay. <laughs> yes, I have so heard your show. <laughs> so my only job was to go around the city and tell what all is what happening is in happening. the city. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. every morning I used to get up like, okay, uh, today there's a college fest happening. This star is coming to this mall. Okay, there's a launch of a book. Okay, there is something else happening over there. Oh, there's a pothole on this road. Or somebody else met with an accident. Somebody donated blood. Everything was news for me. And I I have I've like really enjoyed working in radio. So much of exposure, so many people you get to network with. It's a brilliant space. Yes, that truly is. But then from that experience and a job that had you out on your toes literally every day yeah. to becoming from beat Raja, you dropped the B and became the Eat Raja. Yeah. How did that transition happen? Well, you know what, um, certain things in life you can't really change, right? So my dad was running this juice center uh, for the last, I think, uh, 40 years or so. Uh, he started in 1970, so he was running this juice center. After he passed away, we had no clue what to do with the shop. I shut it for about eight months because I had no clue, Rashmi, how to even make juices, how to cut vegetables, because I've never really done that. And then after my father passed away, my mom said, okay, I can't let the shop just be like this because he has run it for about 40 years. So let me just continue the legacy. I'll just go sit there, maybe try and sell something. So she went and she started, actually, Eat Raja started in my mom's name. Mm-hmm. So she was the one who initially started everything. 
Then and, I... What about the name, Raja? How did it become Eat Raja? Rashmi, uh, what's your mother's name? My mother's name is Sharda. Sharda will give you a call and say, Rashmi, what are you doing? Uh, it's already 10.30, 11 in the night. And then uh, I say, oh, Mama, I'm a little busy on a Zoom call. I have to do it for this show. Like, oh, you do all those things. But first you eat, Raja. You eat something and then you do everything. So in India and then particularly in South India, every kid is a Raja. Okay. They address it that way only over here, be it a guy or a girl. And even if you become like, even if you become 70 years and if your father or mother are there, who are 90 years, they'll still call to check. But the first thing is, did you have something to eat? You have it? Okay, first you eat, Raja, then do whatever you want. So that is how the name came. And the credit goes to my pet and my father, because my pet and my father were so inseparable. My father used to go sit on the dining table to have food, and my pet, Scooby, used to jump and go sit right next to him. So my father used to feed him, saying, eat, Raja, eat this biscuit, eat this thing, eat that... I used to get so annoyed when I'm sleeping here early morning at about 6.30, they both start chit-chatting. And my father will be like, okay, eat Raja, eat this biscuit, eat that one, eat this. Like, ah, who will ever call somebody like that and talk to the, you know, pet? So I used to always hear the conversations. And after they both passed away, I said, it's apt to call the shop, eat Raja, because one, it's uh, my father's, uh, you know, effort. And of course, my doggy, Scooby, we, we miss him a lot, so I said, okay, I have to do this for them. So that's how the name Eat Raja came about. Interestingly, now the justification is such that I can say, well, you come to Eat Raja, you don't just drink juices, you can also eat them. So you generate no waste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me how that transition happened. You, Your mother was going in to Eat Raja and managing the place. When... Yeah, I was still in radio at that time, so I was working for an international radio station. So my mom was taking care of the shop. But uh, see, at the age of 70, she started going to work. Can you beat that? When she was always home quarantined for about 50 years, ever since she got married, all that she had to do was sit at home, take care of the kids and make sure things are all in place when my father comes back. And so at 71, she decides, okay, I'm going to go sit in the shop and make business. And that's the way how Eat Raja started. And now... We complete five years exactly yesterday, 28th of March. So we complete uh, five successful years of saying no to any single use disposable. And I'm so, so happy about it. Congratulations. But uh, where did you get that idea? Because outside of juice, ah, so <laughs> no, what, there are yeah, flaws and cups in the name of paper cups. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a OG, okay? I'm the original and uh, really, really, uh, see, I'll tell you why. My mentor or my uh, inspiration is Vani Murthy in Malaysia. She's been doing some amazing work. In fact, we Malaysia, another group is there. Swabhimana Initiative Trust is there. All of these people, knowledgeable people, hardworking people, really passionate people. We have done a lot of things for Malaysia. And that's where I said, okay, I have a shop. And in this shop, when my father was running, so much of garbage is coming out. And uh, since I was always cultured into zero-waste, minimalist lifestyle from my college, I said, I can't let this happen in my own backyard. I'm going and telling everybody, don't waste, plant trees, this, that, and all. And then I come back to my shop to see so much of plastic paper and I was there. So it was very easy for me to convince my mom because she comes from a rural background where they have lived their life without any of these single-use disposal. No tissues, no 
plastic bags and all of that. So I said, let's just go back in time and do the same at the shop. And I took my inspiration from uh, Vani Murthy ma'am. I consulted her, how can I make it zero waste? What can I do? And she said, just say no to anything that is single-use disposable. I just came back to the shop, blindly applied that. I said, I'm not going to give you any single-use disposable. No juices served in paper, cup, plastic, cup, no straws given, no tissues, no cola, no pet water bottle being sold. Till date, it's I think 1,800 days till now. Every single day we've gone and said the same. But having said that, people stopped coming, the sales dropped because we had a lot of conditions and restrictions. If somebody, people are so used to drinking juices with straw mm -hmm. that if you ever give them a juice without a straw, they look at you like this, like, that kind of an attitude. It was very difficult for me initially to convince people they can drink juices without the straw. But then people weren't really interested. They're like, big deal, it's okay. Yeah, we all know about global warming, we all know about uh, plastic hazard and all that. It's okay. They should do that. So I said to myself that I need to change the way how people are thinking. Um, but make it attractive was the challenging part. So I looked at the fruit and I said like, hey, Dan, this is a fruit. Why can't we just scoop out the fruit and uh, make the juices and serve it back in the same container after they are drunk? I mean, after, after they drink the juices, I can use those fruit shells to still feed cows, make... Um, a lot of uh, uh, manure and uh, so many things can be done with it. And uh, that was my driving force. And I said, okay, uh, let's do this. A note uh, to single-use disposables and uh, we engineer our ways actually. We make sure that it becomes another product. So that's the beauty of the job. Yeah, I love the way you said it. You engineer your waste. Uh, yeah. but taking you one step back, you said college taught you how to yes, have a sustainable yes, yes. lifestyle. What, what is it that you learned in college? See, it was not even my college lecturers. You know, BMS College of Engineering has a very active student-run clubs, okay? Yeah. Somebody is, uh, somebody, I mean, if you feel that you are interested, you can just go open up a club and say, hey, I'm a numismatic collector, so if you have coins, come over here. Let's build a team. Let's showcase the coins. Or if somebody else loves Bharatanatyam, they form their own group and they say, hey, you guys, if you like Bharatanatyam, Come here, we'll teach you, we'll put up a show. It was like that. So my seniors who were running the mountaineering club, they were the ones who taught me. They said, we have come to a waterfall. We'd gone on a holiday. They said, uh, when you thought of coming to this place, you thought it's going to be beautiful, but you come and see now, there's so much of plastic. So now it's our responsibility to give back of waterfalls that is clutter-free. So they made us pick up all the garbage and all, put it in the bag. We brought it back to the city. On that day when I had to do that, I cursed myself and I said, like, I'm not going to be back with these guys for any mountaineering club activities. But then later on, once I was done, I felt so nice that I've done something great. I couldn't have alone done it, but all of us joined together and we did it. And then on, I realized, okay, this is something amazing. I think we need to do more of it. So I went around, joined the club, and then later on, I went on to become the president of the club. And I still am super active in the club. Uh, we do a lot of events and uh, these things actually change. So I realized that, you know, our impact on nature should be very minimal. So I, I still remember when we had gone for a trek to a waterfall. Normally, all guys, when they have to have bath, they put all on the soap and they just go dive into the pool of water. All that is a strict no. In my college, my seniors taught, taught us that minimum impact policy. So if you want to have bath, go ahead and have bath. Don't put the soap. 
You want a thrill, right? Just go jump. And if at all you want to have your soapy water bath, then come over here. We'll dig a pit. Everybody go one by one, stand there and have bath. And so that all the you know, toxins get reduced and they don't go spoil the water there. So that is how we were all taught about it. And they, we, we were always encouraged to carry our own tiffin boxes, uh, our water bottle, making sure that there is nothing that is a single-use disposable. So these things I learned from my college club and eventually it became a part of my life. Subconsciously, I've never ever thrown any plastic paper outside my bag or my pockets. It straight away goes there and I empty it only when I find a dustbin. And that's how, I think that's what college taught us. How to be sustainable and how we can have a better life. So thanks to my college, my seniors in the mountaineering club, had they not taught me what it is today, eat Raja wouldn't have been possible. Okay. So here you were all set to continue this sustainable lifestyle and decided to scoop out and re-engineer or engineer the fruit yeah. milk into how exactly you serve your customers. So initially, uh, what was the kind of reaction that you got? No straw, no fish, <laughs> no water. And you're giving them the juice in the fruit <laughs> you scooped out? I can't forget those days of initial struggle that we have had. Oh, almost everybody said, what crazy way of giving juices. Instead of a watermelon, I don't want to buy it. You put it to me in a glass and give it to me. And I said, no, if you're going to drink watermelon, it should be only this. So for five years, we have done exactly this. And when I look back and I say, oh my God, it's really amazing. I never thought I would survive in the market in the first two months. Later on, we somehow pulled it. A lot of big social media influencers started coming to my shop. And then overnight, we became very, very, very popular. Even till date, we are popular trending uh, because we do so many innovative things over there. Yeah, yeah. So what was the first innovative thing that you did, Raja, that looking back now, you're absolutely proud of? The first thing was uh, we did watermelon because I had uh, uh, seen the watermelons that we get were really tiny and small, just like a cup. I said, hey, this is really cool. I think we can just chop it and scoop out the fruit, put the juicer, uh, and then pour it back and give it to them. And uh, there you go. I see so many cows eating plastic. Instead, after they're done with the juices, they can feed the cow as well. And that's how actually we started off with uh, zero waste policy. And then, of course, I was not the guy ever to use anything that is single-use disposable at my shop. Uh, so no tissues were ever given, no plastic bottle, no paper bottle. Some of it's still there, but they're still long-term usage uh, of the uh, whatever plastic it is, hard plastic. Uh, so that way we made sure that single-use disposables were a strict no. Even now, many of the boys who come to work at my shop, I tell them, if you're coming by bicycle, you get 10 rupees more. If you come by bike, I'll take 5 rupees from you. So <laughs> these kind of things, I think we can teach only when they are young and that's the right age. So I make sure that I go to all colleges just to brainwash them and tell them that, hey, you know what, there's a much better way to do what you wanted to do. Mm. And I've been successful. Yeah, yeah. What has been the best compliment so far? Initially, when we were giving juices to our customers, people were like, I don't know what this is crazy thing. I'm not going to have these juices. It's all falling all my clothes and all of that. But one of the best compliments was, I think it was around before COVID, uh, I was just mopping the floor and, uh, you know, doing my daily chores. And uh, uh, 
there was somebody was going to the airport to get on to a flight they stopped by they came to me and they just said raja what you're doing is fantastic i just came took a detour just to meet you and say hi maybe in future we'll meet and he left from there i honestly felt that was a very 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 uh, a proud moment for me like okay not bad i managed to put a shop and it's kind of running so i was very very happy with that okay and what was your most dullest moment when you decided to take over from your mother and make sure that you're going to run this business in the initial part when you said there was rejection the most dullest yeah. so my mom was like please give them one tissue it's okay nothing's going to happen please let's retain the customers it's very important and all that i said don't worry nobody ever stopped them to carry their handkerchief so i should be raise money on uh, buying tissues when we know that it's not going to be for great use so that way uh, we made sure that everything that we were doing were single use disposables completely avoided and only reusables so even we don't give parcel of juices we ask them to get their own container so that they can take the juice and go so this is how uh, initially people started making fun of us laugh at us but then as we started becoming popular in terms of media coverage or stars coming out of shop then it became easier for me to deal with the situation like okay it's just a matter of another one month uh if people are saying something bad about me or kachre ke sath kaam karna and all of that it's okay so this is how the mentality of people were uh, who started coming to work at our shop we successfully changed the way how they think so those people who initially said no to watermelon juices being served instead of a watermelon today they wait for not hours but so many minutes to just get hold of that because they know that this is something really nice and worthy and a lot of my customers are kids yeah yeah and looking back raja what kept you going what gave you that sense of belief that this is going to work because people were not used to being yeah. juices in guavas that are scooped out in watermelons that are scooped out right bananas i saw i saw people yeah. <laughs> there you scooped out the banana and i was like how will he justify a banana to a small goa to a watermelon how is the quantity measured and i heard you say that you'll get three refills with the one yes 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 and i was yes. like wow so uh, what is it that helped you sustain yourself and your mindset at those times when you set out on a journey i would call it the road not taken and uh, yeah which was a surprise to the world outside and i'm sure there are more naysayers than people who accepted you what kept you going at that time see every day i used to say why the hell am i doing this i'll just quit and go back to radio or do anything else but not this it's so difficult to convince people that we will not give juices they put their hand to see if they have any straw anywhere there and i would say sorry uh, and i openly challenge them now you can drink this without a straw come let me demonstrate it to you show join them a lot of good things we share uh, even when my customers come and ask for things like parcel uh, and anything else that is single use disposable i tell them that there's no need for you to do this thing nobody ever asked you so why do it if it's not eco friendly at all what sustained your mindset what told you that this is going to succeed every day i used to feel like giving up but the next morning the call of oh today we're going to do something new 
used to excite me. And I knew that this was a really tough one. And then I used to say, hey, it's so tough to convince people. And I I had opened my shop at a place where there's market, garbage, all of it. So it's important to be there. And I actually honestly feel I was the Kichar Ka Kamal <laughs> because I had to almost uh, successfully manage to do this. I used to just look into the mirror and say, you've done it for one day. You can do it today also. And I, now, having said that so many times, now we're looking at 1,800 today. So that was my motivation. I said like, okay, uh, if not today, day after tomorrow, maybe it will work. This is how we started doing. And uh, today, I'm very happy that we never gave up when we had really bad days. Nobody ever knew that, you know, a banana smoothie can be served instead of a banana. Yeah. So I'm so happy that I could think of it and I'm able to run it. There's a huge crowd always outside the shop, which means that the our juices are still in demand. So mm. I'm, I'm very happy. Yes. And now you're really spreading yourself far and wide. So tell us the progress, the growth and your proud moments. Five years ago, it was all about just saving that space, making it functional. That's all. Yeah. But then when my mom took over it, when I quit radio and I joined her to help her around, that's when things started really happening. And once we knew, realized that we've become quite popular, now it became an additional responsibility of not doing anything uh, that could hurt the brand name or that could go against what we had already said. So I used to motivate myself. And of course, whenever I had problems, I used to give a call to Wani Ma'am or anybody else to see how things can be made better. You always need a shoulder to cry. Yes. Okay? Yes. So you need to find that one person. Yeah. It could be anybody, maybe yeah. parents or brother or friend, somebody or the other. You need to vent out all your frustration and feelings and then you go back. Your work is going to be a lot more productive instead of carrying all the baggages with you of emotions primarily. Yeah, yeah. And Bani is such an amazing human being. So... I'm sure you had the strongest shoulder to cry on. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen so many deaths also after that. My mom passed away because of COVID. Uh, my pet also passed away. My, I lost my dad uh, much before we started eat Raja. So, uh, but like I said, uh, being in sports helped me because in sports, that's what happens. Some days you win, some days you lose. But you got to keep the spirit high. And that's what I do. At, at uh, outlets. Yes, that's so true. Showing up every day. Now, yeah, so there's this quote, dress up and show up. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what you did. And yep. uh, in the process, any memorable recognition that you got which you really close to your heart? Uh, yes, there are many such, in fact, not just one or two, I can't yeah, sure help can. and say uh, this was the best. Uh, but then uh, I got a call from many big celebrities, of course, called me and wished me, say, I saw your you know, juice shop and it's amazing. Those kind of things were there. Uh, but having said that, a lot of people have supported also. A lot of people. Uh, in fact, one of the earliest calls that we got was from uh, Lata Ma'am, uh, Rajni Kansar's wife, and she showed express interest that we would like to open your outlets in. Ba I mean, we were based out of Bangalore only. Then they said, "Why don't you open one in Chennai?" And now today, as I speak to you, I'm also talking to people in UAE so that we can plan to open one in Dubai or Sharjah or any place. 
So that way there were a lot of people who supported us and that's the future also. Now I hope to give away a lot more franchises, make sure that things work. And that's the plan. Yeah, that's sure, Raja, for the attitude and mindset that you have and the complete principled way in which ethically you did your business, I'm sure. Yeah. The one above is justifying everything. And talking yes. about reflection and how it's showing, COVID was one time where everyone shut shop and went back home. So what helped you sustain? So during COVID, what we did was we still were never giving parcels. So we said, it's okay. Even if we don't run it, that should just be fine. So we had kept our shop shut during COVID. And the day we opened up, there was a sea of crowd. People were also dying to have juices, healthy juices. By then, by between the first and the second wave, we already had information about uh, uh, how things can be made better. And we just started implementing them there. Mm -hmm. So what are your reflections from COVID, especially as far as life is concerned? What mm, it hurts. But then uh, I felt I have great company everywhere. Many of my own staff's parents either have had a problem or walking problem, whatever. So it still is there. But uh, the fact that, you know, we have done something unique and nobody else can even think of coming closer to us, help me uh, sustain and become a zero hero. Yeah. And uh, three life lessons from the zero hero that you'd like to leave us with? Uh, see, one, because we are a zero-waste juice bar, I wouldn't, I mean, if I can show you my t-shirt, this is my logo. And on the logo, we have already printed our five R's, which is first is refuse, reduce, reuse, repair, recycle. These are the five things we strongly believe. Mm -hmm. In our shop, nothing ever gets wasted. We don't use single-use disposables. Having said that, there is some plastic coming in, maybe because of packaging or maybe because of some cello tapes and all of that. But we have taken it in a very nice way. Uh, so all that anybody can do is first make sure that they don't generate waste. You can look at your own self and say, how much waste did I generate today? Oh, so much? Okay. So if you can control that, it's a great thing. And then uh, whatever you're doing, you should love. And if you have love, then nobody is going to question. And of course, hard work always pays. Simple, profound, at the same time doable. So... Amazing, amazing, Raja. Thank you so much. Because all I can think of is what the Dalai Lama had said, that the natural environment sustains the life of all beings universally. And you're contributing big time to make sure natural juices remain natural yes. when the consumer consumes it. Definitely. Honor to have had you on you and I with Rashmi Shetty. The wait is definitely worth it. Thank you so much. And all the best on your franchises, your growth. And just may your tribe increase and continue to inspire everyone around. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rashmi. I hope I come back uh, with more such good news and tell you that you know, we've started one in Dubai, one in Singapore, maybe one in America. That's the plan. I really want to go to all of these countries. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care and all the very best. Bye, Rashmi. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. With that, we come to the end of this weekly quest of You and I with Rashmi Shetty. Do let us know if you know people who make the world beautiful. Write in to rashmi.thethirdeye at gmail.com That is r-a-s-h-m-i dot 
T-H-E-T-H-I-R-D-E-Y-E at gmail.com. Come, let's explore this amazing world together, both you and I.